as always, welcome back, any repeat listeners. Welcome, any new listeners. This is the Cool Cats Corner, the Luke Travis episode, episode 10. It's going to be an action-packed pod. Let's get this thing underway, Suck. Hello, Wildcats. Hey, what's up, Cool Cats, and welcome back. What I've got for you this week is I'm going to swing it across the pond to our brothers in the United States. And for our opening, we got a little snippet here from Ethan Strauss of The Athletic. He's talking about a ratings decline in the NBA on the Ryan Rossillo podcast on the Ringer Network by Bill Simmons, which is the Ryan Rossillo podcast itself is one of the top 10 rated sports podcasts in the US at the moment. And anyone who knows how ridiculously saturated the sports casters market is in the US will understand how, uh, how difficult it is to be a top 10 podcast. And it just demonstrates the amount of listeners and it demonstrates the impact that these guys can have on, on the sporting world as well. So listen in and enjoy. I don't come at this from the perspective of hating the NBA. I come at it from the perspective of loving the NBA. I want the NBA to be the best sport or the biggest sport in America. I want people to see what I see in it. You know, it kills me when I, I've been watching these LaMelo, LaMelo ball games when he's playing for the Illawarra Hawks out there. And I think to myself, if the NBA was distributed to the masses in the way that Australian basketball is, which is a far less athletic league, um, it would be America's favorite sport. Uh, but it isn't. Instead, it has this overlong season, this overlong schedule, and we're trying to prop up this thing that I don't think necessarily can hold the viewer's interest. Now, Ethan Strauss there is talking about the oversaturation of content. And the reason I'm bringing the snippet up today is it's resulted in the NBA suffering a rating slip. And now NBA commissioner Adam Silver is currently trying to counteract these slippages by proposing mid-season tournaments to make the regular season more exciting, as well as reducing the number of games in the regular season, the number of games being this oversaturation of content. The heavy NBA schedule has resulted in stars like Kawhi Leonard, which you guys would know, nominating rest days. And now many other athletes are following suit as it showed the benefit of Kawhi doing that in Toronto, obviously bringing the first ever chip off US soil and to, to Canada, which has just been awesome to see and it's been interesting to see him take that that route and see how he's adapted to this strict and menacing nba schedule the nbl is receiving this type of exposure on these podcasts and appearing on top media outlets all across the globe due to the success of the next stars program and its ability to attract world-class stars like Lamelo ball from the illawarra hawks yeah relax ethan strauss and uh, rj hampton to our league and now we're able to be spoken about as like this successful league on the world scale the NBL doesn't have a very chaotic schedule. As with the rest of our other sporting formats, games are played on the weekend when the majority of the population have the free time to consume the content. With the media exposure, with our game growing, as evidenced by lots of new owners buying into the league at the beginning of the season, our brand is growing. And now we're being named in some of the biggest podcasts in the NBA. So it's really, really great to see this organic growth happening and them speaking about restricting the content and actually making the consumer anticipate the content and be able to do these things like these podcasts at the moment is what Ethan's really hitting at here. The reason that the NBA themselves can't do it is due to the fat cat owners refusing to decrease the number of games because they refuse to give up the money. Now, look, they've suggested they could drop a couple of games, but if they were to drop, for example, 10 games, that'd just be way too much out of their pocket, they'd say, and it's just not worth. They can't see things in the long run, and obviously they've got profits to turn over as well, and they're thinking short-term, so why, what's, it, what's it in their interest to do anything different? So they refuse to decrease the number of games because they refuse to give up the money, as I previously said. Now NBA Commissioner Adam Silver needs to look elsewhere, like these mid-season competitions that I previously spoke about, to bring back the popularity. 
In contrast, the NBL is still experiencing this organic growth. So seeing ratings just increase, increase every year, pretty much, especially since the new management's been in charge. And look, we have a really great foundation to now grow upon with this organic growth and its steady move upwards, as we're seeing. We're still seeing a movement towards equilibrium of ideal levels of basketball for the population in Australia. And this has been accentuated by the influx of these investors, as I've previously said, into the NBL teams. A lot of them being NBA players, and they speak very heavily of, of owning a team in the NBL as well, which is just great to see, realizing the great growth of our league as well. We, as the Australian population, are in a really unique situation as viewers in this insanely media-crazy world that our league is somewhat an untapped resource. We have so much growth to realize, and I'm very excited to see what the higher-ups in the league do about it from here on, but it seems all guns are blazing, and that's the opening for the pod, guys, and I hope you're excited to get into some uh, reviews, previews, and a little bit extra for you. So let's lock in. So the Wildcats sweep the weekend once again. So we played two games this weekend. Firstly against the Cairns Taipans on the Thursday night. And then we played against the Brisbane Bullets at the Jungle on the Saturday night. So I want to focus more closely on the Taipans game because as it's looking like this season, the Taipans are more likely to make the playoffs than the Bullets, which is really a testament to their players there, the culture they've created by coach Mike Kelly and the fans over there in far north Queensland as well. And coming into this one, I did think that the Cats were great money as underdogs for this matchup. And I had high hopes that we wouldn't remain at the whim of Cairns brand of basketball and fall to 0-3 and three so far to them this season. So I finished up work on the Thursday, quickly rushed home and watched the game. Sidebar, big fan of the Thursday after work matchups. Love the game. Hate the game time when it's Eastern States. By that, I mean I cannot stand like the daylight savings factor, which means that we're three hours behind rather than two hours behind, which means that you need to kind of record the game or catch it the stream a little bit later on because most of us don't finish work at 4.30 for tip-off time anyway. But luckily, I, I only snuck out a, a half hour after tip-off and got home for the majority of this one and then watched back as well. But that's, uh, that's, that's for another time. Back to the game, I was not disappointed by what I watched as we battled early before trailing at the half and then again at three-quarter time to then outscore Cairns by 10 points in the final quarter to pull off a big comeback to at least slightly help balance the ledger against the Snakes in this NBL 20 season. Nick Kay, Tariko White and Bryce Cotton combined for 64 points. So Kay had 19, Cotton 24, Tariko 21. And this is such a huge factor for us winning tough games. Just wait for the playoffs and these guys will be putting up this type of production week in, week out. Good to see that we still have this in us to pull out the tough games mid-season though. It tells you a lot about the character of this team, not that it should be ever questioned. Anyway, a Nick K double-double led the way against a really tough Cairns front court, and we were helped with an illness to Nate Jawai who generally lays some smackdown on the undersized cats. We didn't need to lean on Dario Hunt to defend the key, which opened up room for Nick to go to work in this one. Nick had a double-double, as I previously mentioned, on 57% shooting, with two steals, two blocks, and five assists as well, and that is Nick K at his best. Absolute treat to watch, and most importantly, the dude is a game winner. Bryce Cotton went to work late in the game, taking it tough to the cup for a big layup to ice the game. The smiling and then the nodding of the head to the Cairns bench was just a reminder that this is Bryce's playground, and he's a hot case for the MVP, and you'll see an incredible this season. On a side note, Space Cam Oliver and Scott Machado are just insanely fun. They put together what I'd consider one of the top plays of this season. With one minute left in the quarter, a big alley-oop to Oliver from Machado off a spin move. Great to see it happening in the NBL this season as well. So, so big trust, roll back and check that one out. But the game itself wasn't short of highlights if, if, if you did miss it. So I'd, I'd go back and check out the entire, the entire game highlights because these are two of the hottest teams in the competition right now.
There was a moment early in the third where Cotton drives, leaves his feet, then goes behind the back to K for three, who made it wet with nothing but net. And Bryce is a known scorer, but his passing ability is something which isn't noticed anywhere near enough. And he's just making more and more of a case for this second MVP by the freezing cold ice Cotton. So looking down the box score, and Clint Steinle only had the five points, but we were still able to overcome Cairns and have a four-point win, winning 84-88 in the snake pit. But the fact he shot the ball was promising. He currently has confidence, which we haven't seen in him this season, clicking at the right time for the Cats. After his off night in far north Queensland, Lint Chocolate Steindl went off for 14 in the jungle to assist Kay, Cotton and White with the scoring load. Those three added another 60 points between them on that night to help sweep the weekend against the struggling Brisbane Bullets, by the way. We ended up beating them in front of our 12,522 supporters. The Red Army is real. By a score of 86 to 78, the margin only being 8 points. However, in my opinion, Perth had control of the majority of the game, not losing a single quarter on the day, and just needing to make the right plays to ensure a victory. This was the reason I didn't focus too heavily on this game in last week's pod, as I do think the Cats line up against these guys pretty well. And yeah, no doubt these guys are struggling this season, now sitting at 6 wins and 9 losses in 7th position. Not great. But they are a team that may be looking to make some import changes, as I previously said. It is a necessary evil for the game to improve. We need to cut some underperforming talent to revamp the team. Sobey and Patterson are trying to hold it down, but they need another big scorer to assist them if they're going to make a late run at this NBL 20 season. The jungle is probably not a place teams that are struggling on form would want to visit, as the Red Army really make you feel the lows when they're happening, and subsequently end up putting the pressure on, and teams do collapse. Again, on a side note from this Brisbane game, Nick K threw down an absolutely filthy poster and said g'day to Will Magne as well in this one as he met him at the rim for a huge jam. Like, I bet you guys didn't know he had that one in his bag. So it's a very low-key entry for poster of the year by Nick K, in my opinion, bringing some dismay to the bullets as well, which is fun. But before I wrap this review up of the Wildcats matches last weekend, I want to make special note of Tariko White's health and how he's looking on the court. I'm glad the Cats have taken their time with him. His trademark dagger three late in the fourth quarter to seal the game against Cairns is something we've seen him do time and time again. It's so important because between him and Bryce, we have the best closers in the game. And closers are something in basketball that is such a luxury. Obviously, people refer to this ability to close out games as clutch. And Tariko has this in spades. He showed it in the grand final last year. And look who they go to late down in the stretches and get buckets. Such an underrated player. Goes for long stretches without the ball and then can quickly light it up for three threes and drop nine points and you and kill the game off. So shout out to you, healthy Tariko. So guys, in summary, we swept the weekend beating out the Hot Cans team and we beat the struggling Bullets outfit. Nick K is truly back and you can see he wants to be in the NBL 21st team. Bryce Cotton is the hottest player in the competition. What's new? Tariko White closing time. The Wildcats are tied on wins with ladder leader Sydney sitting second and boasting a record of 12 wins and five losses. Not a bad spot to be now that we're stuck into the second half of this season. So let's go Cats. Alright guys, so now we're going to preview our upcoming matchup this weekend in round 12 of the NBL 20 season. We're playing against Melbourne United at 5pm Australian Western Standard Times. Location, The Jungle. Records, Perth 2nd with 12-5. and five. Melbourne third with nine and seven. What a sports bet reckon? Sports bet reckon that Perth are the favourites at a dollar sixty four. Melbourne underdogs two dollars twenty seven. Perth being the three point five point favourites in this one. So do I think the odds will remain the same come game time? I'm going to say they remain fairly steady around this mark, as I think it fairly reflects where both teams are so far this season. Perth are on a four game win streak. Melbourne only managing to split the weekend with one win and one loss last week. The win coming against a lowly Illawarra side. 
Not only that, but this Melbourne team is four losses and three wins away from home this season, struggling to come together and pull a full team performance on the road this season. The Cats are 6-2 and two at home, with the two losses coming when the Cats were struggling for some form earlier this year. As much as I love the content and the excitement of the doubleheader weekends, like we've had the past two weekends, I also really enjoy having a single game weekend, especially when it's against another formidable team like Melbourne United. It also gives me a great opportunity to do more in-depth analysis for you guys on the game, so I've got to take the yin with the yang with this one. I saw Perth Wildcats Twitter put up a post promoting this game as the two best teams of 2019 playing against one another. Throwing some shade Sydney's way, perhaps. Having beaten them two weeks ago, I think we can talk a little bit of smack. In, in regards to the best two teams of 2019, to an extent they're not wrong. As these two teams have played in the grand final for the 2018-19 season, these two teams have been extremely successful, one more than the other. But nonetheless, we have a good one coming for you this Saturday. The game will follow the Sydney and Brisbane game, so no doubt we're going to be the hot ticket item for viewing on the day as well. All eyes on us. Melbourne United have been light-handed this NBL season, with injuries across the court to star players. Casey Prather, who has only played a handful of games so far, is going to miss more with the ex-Perth Wildcat and NBL champion tearing his hamstring last weekend, which is set to keep him out for four to six weeks, I saw reported. This is not the same injury that kept him out of the last games as it was pertaining to his knee previously. But this Melbourne United team bounced back after a tough 1-3 start to climb into the four. And now Dean Vickerman's team has another hurdle to overcome as they're being challenged once again with injuries and a tough road game to Perth. Even though Prather won't be coming back to the jungle, Dean is still taking a star-studded lineup with him. Mello Trimble, averaging 22 points. Sean Long, averaging 20 points, 10 boards. Ex-Wildcat, Chris Golding. Yes, ex-Wildcat, who did have a short stint with us, if some can remember, so shout out Chris. I won't forget your 3.2 points per game for us in the 2019 season, my man. For real though, CG43, great shooter and we can't let him catch fire in the jungle. He doesn't really seem to show up against Perth so often, or maybe Damon plays a really good job on him. I'm not sure, but we've got to keep a lock on him because he can light up. Between Golding, McCarran, Trimble, Melbourne United make, make the most threes per game in the NBL with 11.7. So just shy of 12 threes a game. So we've got to ensure we lock this down. And when the ball comes out, we need to ensure we, we're boxing out on Sean Long because the man's a beast. United have struggled to look after the ball this year, ranking in the bottom third of the NBL for their turnover rating. Only the 36ers and Taipans turn the ball over more. Both play at a really high pace. Another aspect of this match is the Cats can take advantage through their willingness to pass the ball and play the team basketball. The Cats currently rank in the top two for assist percentage in the NBL, whereas Melbourne are more susceptible to falling into hero ball game. The ball gets sticky meaning like Mello Trimble's trying to get to the rack or Golding may start shooting the three to generate some offense. They could revert to this brand of basketball, which, look, has been and may continue to be their undoing. This being said, we have played against these guys twice already this season. Twice, the Cats have taken the chockies against Melbourne, first by one point and then by two points in each of the respective contests. Who knows? Maybe we beat them by three points this time for those looking for those trends. Mello Trimble, the departed Cairns Taipan star from the 2019 season, has scored 20-plus twice against the Cats this season, demonstrating his capacity to score against Perth. Sean Long has also been active against Perth in the past, and this may call for a lineup change, reintroducing Dario Hunt back into the lineup to make Sean Long work on the defensive end. Dario's been coming off the bench with Majok Majok starting the game to set the tone early with his defensive intensity inside the paint for the Cats to really play that bully ball. Expect to see a few more minutes fall Dario's way this game. This can be a chance for him to find some form once again. We're going to see two contrasting ball games here. From Melbourne's perspective, Vickerman will be asking his team to look for the open three and look for Trimble to create off the pick and roll. This is a smart analytical game, the threes. 
long rebounds, excuse the pun, and second chance opportunity. From a Perth perspective, we'll be looking to protect the ball, create chaos and misdirection on multiple screenplays, and look for open spot-up shooters for easy buckets. Perth's game plan matches up really well against the Melbourne United game plan, as they'll be looking for a high quantity of shots. Perth will be looking for smart shots off the back of good team ball. We're going to give ourselves the best chance to win this one, I think. I'll give you guys some predictions, as I've been on a, a bit of a hot streak with my guesses recently, hitting on 14 or 15 legs during the NBL Round 11 matchup, so shout out to me. Feeling it lately. So, firstly, it's going to be a Nick K double-double. Another one is incoming. It's the season to be jolly, and old St. Nick is delivering the gifts in the form of double-doubles to Perth faithful. Three double-doubles coming from his last four matchups this season, after only delivering one to that point in the NBL season. Special K is back, so just trust me on this one. My prediction number two, Dario Hunt's going to have a double-digit game. So Dario has had zero points, two points, five points in three of his last four games, and this has been since he's been moved to the bench. Look, Dario is struggling, no doubt about it. But when he goes inside against Sean Long, at least he makes him work defensively. He's by far our quickest player with his feet, and he will at least make Sean Long rush back down the court and think about defense. I think Dario needs to break his scoring blues and put up 10-plus against Melbourne this weekend for the Cats to win. My third take, guys, Mitch McCarron doesn't top 10 points against the Wildcats this weekend. McCarron has scored at an okay rate against the Cats in the past. I have a feeling he doesn't influence the game in the way he wants to win this contest, though. With Tariko White back in business and Nick K back to his best as well, Mitch McCarron is going to need to be magic. Scoring is going to be tough. Mitch is going to be asked to do a lot defensively. So I'm expecting lots of shots to mellow Trimble in this one. And my prediction number four, guys, and my final prediction is that Dean Vickerman will spend at least 35 of his 40 minutes of this game crouched down by the side of the court. It honestly looks like he's worried about impeding the view of the fans behind the bench. Like, that's how super low this crouch operator is operating. And here's a theory on the crouching. So in the NFL, the Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett is referred to as the clapper, as he always claps his hands regardless of the result of the play. The theory is that he does this to create the perception that he's trying really hard and doing a good job, and when in reality he's not that good of a coach. Not to knock on Dean Vickerman, but he is definitely a candidate for the nickname The Croucher because his crouching may be an effort to divert attention away from the fact that he may not be as good of a coach as we think he is. People do this all the time throughout life. Like pretending to do work at school by flipping the pages over to create the perception you know how to read. Like, look, Dean knows ball, but does he know ball that well? Or is he just a great actor? Looks under to ponder. I look for crouching Dean out there. So we will cut the fun for this review there, but Cool Cats is a big one. Anytime we play United is fun. Mostly because we do best them, and I truly do believe that a big reason for this is because Gleason is just a better coach than Vickerman. Nothing has changed in management. The Cats look steady and primed to strike. My prediction is we cover the 3.5 line. We win this one, and we put pressure back on Sydney at the top. Fellow podcaster Tom, on the Unfiltered podcast, has predicted the Cats by 20+, plus, and I love where his head's at. I'm not so confident, but if we do blow them out, it's going to be a very, very enjoyable Saturday night. So Jungle Fever's in Perth. Tune in. 5 p.m. Saturday. Enjoy. I promise it's going to be a fun one. On to the next, guys. All right, guys, it's been awesome so far. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed bringing this one to you, so I hope you've enjoyed listening in. So for today's close, I want to go through the halfway point NBL 20 teams of the main people who are like dispersing the content in the NBL. And by that, I mean the three guys on the NBL over time who do a great job, by the way. And I love that they're out there dispersing the information, like particularly Liam Santa Maria. He does it in a fantastic way in the NBL community. are grateful to him for that. The other two guys on the NBL overtime are Cam Luke and Corey Homicide Williams, obviously. So we'll be looking at those three guys who they awarded the midpoint NBL 21st team honors to. 
And we'll also do a shout out to another WA podcast, which is called The Dribble and hosted by Perth Now's Chris Robinson. I look, at least they're putting their, their names on the podcast because they don't check it on the articles. Anonymous just for clickbait, hey? But anyway, so I bring these guys into conversation. His former Wildcat, Greg Hire, is also on the podcast. And I find what he says is very interesting as it provides great insight into the Perth team and the coaching of the great Trevor Gleason. That being said, I humbly believe it's the second best NBL podcast in WA. No bias at all. So I released my predictions last Wednesday. The NBL Overtime guys released it on the weekend, so the weekend after my Wednesday release. And then the guys on the dribble released it on the 16th of December, so maybe a week or so after myself. So just to let you guys know that my thoughts are completely my own there. So I'll see how I went and I'll, I'll compare it to the rest of these guys. So the way they name the NBL 20 first team is they give it to three outside players, meaning, you know, players who shoot the outside rock a little bit more, play more outside, and then they have two inside players. So who I named it, and you guys remember this from last week, was I went outside was Machado, Cotton Creek. Inside, I had Tate and Long. So Cam Luke and Liam Santa Maria went the same. So they went Machado, Ware, Cotton Creek, and Long. Corey Homicide Williams actually had the same as myself. So Machado, Cotton Creek, Tate, and Long. And Greg, yep, higher. Machado, Cotton, Lamar Patterson, because he believes they wouldn't win a game without him. Creek and Bogut. And finally, Perth Now's Chris Robinson with Ware, Cotton, Creek, K, and Bogut. So a lot of favorability going to Perth there. But what were my findings from this, guys? So I'll break it down for you. So we'll see how I kind of compared this and I can justify each of our opinions. So firstly, Machado has been named in everyone's team except Chris Robinson's. And I think Robbo has really missed a beat here. Machado is absolutely the best point guard in this competition. A true point guard is who plays the game in its purest way. Scott is scoring 17 points per game, averaging a league high 9.1 assists. Head and shoulders above the next best playmaker in the business. Not only that, but he's shooting the three ball at 41.5%. So if you're shooting the long ball that lethally and you're finding your teammates that well, you're automatically a big issue for the opposition because every time he gets it, it leads to a score. The offense completely runs through him. And he's making guys like Cam Oliver, Quatnoy, and Majok stand out in the league. Undoubtedly the best point guard in this league, I'd say. So in, in comparison, Casper Ware is averaging 21 points, which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. However, he's shooting the ball, the three ball at 30%. He's better than that. And why would we reward him with honors for poor shooting? Casper averages 3.9 assists per game compared to uh, Machado's 9.1 assists per game. Robbo's making the opinion that Sydney are top and look, they deserve to have more players in this NBL 21st team. I agree with this to an extent, and Casper has played a role really well this season. But Cairns would easily be bottom of the ladder without Scott Machado making the majority of decisions for the Cairns offense this year. They snuck into the four last week, and they'll keep pushing this season. If they make the four, expect Scott to be spoken about in MVP conversations. So, a bit of a funny one by the Perth now man there. Secondly, Cam Luke and Santa Maria went with Casper Ware over Bryce Cotton. Like, really? Really? Like are these dudes considering the fact that Cotton has been playing like a man possessed, lighting up the box score in opposition, lacking Tariko previously and pretty much doing it by himself when Nick Kay wasn't getting it done at the start of the year. Not only that, but Cotton is averaging on par with Ware for points and he's like scoring the three ball at 40%. So that was 10% better than Ware is this year. How do we not chuck him into this shooting guard position just automatically? Further to this, Cotton averages one more steal than Casper Ware. But seriously, Ware has shot the long ball nine times on average per game this year. He makes just under three of those guys. He is lucky to have guys like Deshaun Tate, Didi Lazada, Andrew Bogut, Brad Newley, Daniel Kickett, Kevin Lish on his team. Like, see my point? There are many good players on this team. But Casper's performance in the NBL 21st team 
isn't probably worthy compared to some of the other guards in the league because it is such a guard-heavy league. These guys are point guards straight up and they're killing it. So, I'm not sure I'd be uh, chucking that one in there, but that's me me personally. Everyone entitled to their own opinion. That, that's my rebuttal to that. Thirdly, it was unanimous that Mitch Creek was selected in everyone's NBL 20 first teams. He has to carry the team every week, week in, week out, and he does it to a great level this season. I went Creek as an outside player, but others put him as an inside player. He's played both as a stretch guy this season, so both are acceptable in my opinion. MVP shout for Mitch if they can make the four this season. So MVP Mitch could could definitely be dollars this season. So keep an eye out on him. He is unanimously in all of our NBL 20 midpoint first teams. My fourth finding, guys, and my next point is that me and Corey Homicide Williams selected the same players in the same positions. So Corey talks a lot, and I know a lot of people rag on him. Me included, as sometimes he talks for the sake of talking. Look, it's his job. I get it. And I understand what it takes to spread the love of the game. But we were the only two guys to put just Sean Tate in our mid-season NBL 20 teams and respect to him for that. Other guys had him in their second team. But in my opinion, this guy is the catalyst for the top of the table, Sydney Kings. For anyone that has watched just Sean this season, they'll notice him there. He's undersized for a power forward, but he doesn't play undersized. He averages 15.7 points per game on 65% shooting from the field. 65% shooting from the field for a player that drives and shoots the ball around the key as well. But watch the way the guy hustles inside. It it drives the team forward and it influences the games and what he does. He shoots the three ball at 35% and this is considered one of his weaknesses. Granted, he doesn't take many of them. He averages six rebounds per game and two assists. He looks after the ball, only turning the ball over once per game, and he gets the ball a lot, so that's a good job looking after it. And he's a problem on defense, stripping the ball and playing strong, compact team ball. So that's who me and Corey put in that position. So let's look who other people put in this position and and, and see what we have to respond to that. So as previously mentioned, Greg High went Lamar Patterson for the six wins, nine losses, Brisbane Bullets. His explanation for the selection is that Brisbane would maybe have lost every game without him. Maybe. But they're also winning very few games with him. Just maybe, but I don't think that that's the reason to put him in this team. Ideally, you're looking to put winners in this team that have had successful seasons. Success will be in the key here for me. No doubt Lamar is a bowler. I like his game and he works hard as hell. Trust me when I say we are lucky to have him in this league. He averages 19.5 points per game, 5.9 rebounds per game, 5 assists, which shows his unique ability to pass the ball as a big. However, he shoots a long ball at 25%. As a high-import scoring shooter on your team, you need that number to be better. Otherwise, you are going to lose games. So he is causing some L's for this team. As productive as he's being, he's hurting them on this end as well. Therefore, I've got to chuck this out for Greg. Stats-wise, Lamar somewhat appears to be a justifiable NBL 21st team pick, like when you, when you just scan over it. But looking at the season as a whole, like on that macro level, it's nearly impossible to make him a first-team selection, in my opinion. Second team, maybe. Def- like, I'd definitely consider him and maybe chuck him up there, but not sure about first team. But it's, it's still better than Chris Robinson going with Nick K. And I love Nick K. You guys know I love Nick K. But he had one double-double to the midpoint of the season, and he was visibly really struggling. Nick K could be in conversation for the NBL 20 first team come season's end as a season of a whole. However, he would even know that he, he doesn't deserve to be in there for the first half of his season. Like, So Chris Robinson, Perth now, I get you got to direct the content and the Perth audience, but come on, man, like... Nick's been good, but like not, not in this team, not, not so far this season. So I think you missed a beat on that one as well, Robo. So love listening in, like I said, because it's a fun listening and you guys are informative as, as anything, but I think you missed. And finally, what you guys did. And again, I don't want to be going at you, but I just want to be calling this out because this is a common and a popular opinion of people who don't watch a ton of the league. And it is due to you guys kind of promoting this content. 
but it's to all the people who can look at this subjectively and leave nationality out of it will happily tell you that Sean Long deserves to be there over Andrew Bogut. So, both these guys, Greg Heyer and Robbo, put Bogut in as one of their NBL first team inside players. But like, let's just compare the stat line this year to demonstrate the difference in the two players' value. Sean Long averages 20.6 points. Bogut averages 8.5 points per game. Okay, I'm done. Like, it should be that easy. But like, let's keep going anyway for the sake of things. So Andrew averages 9.6 rebounds. Sean Long averages 9.5. So fairly similar. So you see, you see my point, right? But like, Andrew Bogut is such a good passer of the ball. That's why he's in the NBL 20 mid-season first team. He only averages one more assist per game than Sean Long. Like, and he's not known as a passing big man either. But Andrew Bogut does a lot more than score points. He does it efficiently. Okay, so he shoots eight shots less per game than Long, but only averages a slightly better field goal percentage, which is total shots made uh, divided by overall shots. So Bogut's at 56, Sean Long at 54%. Not only this, but Long averages 1.6 blocks per game, making him a defensive beast, to Bogut's 1.3, which is still great, but he's considered the best defensive player in the league, right? 1.6 to 1.3. Whatever. Anyway, I would understand putting Bogut in here if Melbourne was playing awfully and Long had been taking heaps of bad shots, but the reality is that Long is having a stellar year and he's far outplaying Bogut for a team that's third in the NBL, which isn't bad at all. They're in the playoffs at the minute. I don't want to hear like all this Bogut stuff anymore. Like just, yo, watch the league. If you actually believe a guy not averaging 10 points per game deserves to be in the NBL 21st team over a guy who's just dominating this season, I don't know what to say. So... Like I said, guys, it was just a bit of a run-through of their predictions against mine. So, we're all pretty similar. You can see how some of us tailor our our answers to our audiences, but trying to keep it as fair as possible for you guys. So, I've been pretty spot on with my predictions on this one, guys, which give you guys a bit of confidence because, uh, no, I'm not just spawning smoke your way and I'm picking up on the trends and, and, and giving you guys the good content as well. So, go on and hit me up with your thoughts on the Midway NBL 21st team. Dispute my selections. I'd love to hear that. Like, honestly, any feedback is awesome feedback. Agree or disagree with anything I have in this pod, please hit me back. I'd love to hear your views on it. So, we'll get a look at some of these guys I spoke about here on the Saturday. I can't wait for this matchup. Thank you so much for listening into podcast number 10 of the Cool Cats Corner, the Luke Travers pod, number 10. Get your red on, get to the jungle. It's Melbourne again. You know what to do.